This is the uh, basketball podcast that we do called Soft City Rockers. My name is Robert. I'm Brendan. Hi. Um, I uh, so yeah, the finals. We we got a three two finals. Um, none of the games have been particularly close. That's been kind of this playoffs. Uh, yep. They're fun games. I mean, I wouldn't say that they're boring, but at some point, one of the teams in in these games just sort of pushes the pedal to the metal. Um, I think the latter two. Games three and four were significantly better than games one and two. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think two was sort of just a blowout, uh, totally. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we've. I mean, it's funny. Uh, someone mentioned this, and it's true that these teams one had fifty three wins during the regular season, one had fifty one. These are not uh, juggernauts of 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 you know mm-hmm. the, the, either of these teams. I do think that uh, you know. Except for this last game where the rest of the Gold Warriors kind of came together and, and won it for him. Steph Curry has been immaculate in the first four games. Um, I just think the things I worried about with Boston are just true. I mean, they're just young, you know. And so there's a lot of things that they're doing that you're like, what are you doing? Like, I mean, they're just not smart plays. Uh, Marcus Smart threes at the end of the clock. You know, just a lot of uh, Jason Tatum can't seem to make a two-pointer. Uh you know, there's some of their guys like Pritchard, White, uh, Grant Williams, who was so great against the Bucks, that are just no shows. So it's it's a lot of like uh, hoping Jalen Brown can can carry you a little bit, and then hoping Jason Tatum can hit threes, and that's about it. As of this recording, the se- uh, which by the way I should mention, we we both made our picks before the series, and we'll just say for everybody, we did text each other to keep each other honest. I believe I had Warriors in six. I had Warriors in seven. So we uh, we are now on pace to see either of those possibly be true. I would not be shocked if the Celtics come back and win two, just because, as you started off by saying, the the story of this playoffs has been a bunch of teams that uh, no one will look at as like historical colossus type, you know, wrecking ball, clearly best team of the season teams uh, is capable of coughing it up, right? Yeah, and. At this point, we've we, we saw you know the Warriors uh, you know take one in the in, in the take one in the mouth in the first uh, first game and kind of you know surprise lose on their home floor. I fully expected that by that that we would see a split one one both sides because neither of these teams gave me the confidence to think they were just going to be so dominant as to win two in a row to start the series. Right. So my question for you now that we're looking at. Um, yeah, you know, the the game five rubber match uh, winner tends to win uh, the series. I think something like seventy ish percent of the time. Uh, it's usually a pretty good predictor. That being said, the last team that was up after five games to lose was Stephen Curry's Warriors, who oh, lost yeah. to the uh, the Cleveland year. So you mentioned that the Celtics are super young, and that's true. I mean, on average, their roster skews young. I think they're, you know, on the lower side of the league average for total roster age. But at the same time, they've made multiple uh, East Finals before now. They're 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 making their run into the Finals Finals. Uh, how much do we think perception of this team changes one way or the other after this playoffs? Regardless of who wins, but if you want to think about it in terms of they lose, how does perception of them change moving forward versus, you know, if they win? Because you say they're young, but I don't think of players like Marcus Smart or even Derek White as, you know, green players, right? No. These are NBA veterans. Like, their top-end talent are still relatively young players overall, right? Tatum and and Brown. Um, Robert Williams, still uh, still pretty young. But Grant Williams is not a, a kid by any means. It doesn't seem like this is 
you know, compared to the Warriors, this is a team of like fresh-faced young talent, right? But even the Warriors, I would say, have as many young players almost as the Celtics. Well, I mean, I would say the Celtics' younger player. I mean, most of the Celtics' players are in between that. Um, I don't know. Robert Williams might be 22. Um, and and then 27, 28. So it's, 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 it's one of those things where young is a relative term. They're, I guess an easier way to say is they're, they're in the prime prime. You know? Yeah. So it's like... Well, I think, and several of them have been to not quite this stage, but literally the round before yeah, this stage. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they were they were in, I believe, the Eastern Conference Finals three times already. You know, um, so like, I mean, Tatum and Brown have been in the Eastern Conference Finals and Smart. Smart. So, yeah. uh, so I I think like when you ask how will we view them, I think that this is more of a it, East is interesting because I, I think that Miami. Boston, Milwaukee. I know the Nets are a mess right now, but we'll see what happens with them. You got Kevin Durant on your team. Yeah, you got Kevin Durant on your team. You got to you got to throw them in there, uh, and then we'll see Sixers. what happens with Philly. Yeah, so I, I think that Philly is sort of where the Celtics were, which is just like you know we'll we'll call them a contender, but they don't really. No one really believes it, and now everyone will believe it, and there'll be a lot of pressure. And I think the thing that we should say, and you said it before, and I think is right. Is that if Chris Middleton? I mean, I hate doing this game, but yeah. if Chris Middleton isn't injured, I mean, I think that that's the team. I mean, it, it I, really feels like he's the most significant absence of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, it just feels like there's only in re, in in my in my view in reality, uh, as in like in the playoffs, uh, the Bucks were the only real great team this season. I know they didn't; their record is not that much better. It might be the same as the Celtics, and and like the. And the and the Suns were the only a great regular season team, so mm-hmm. it's like and maybe you could give it to the Grizz too because I think the Grizz made it up into that range. But like, there really wasn't the you know usually we have in these seasons like three or four juggernauts almost like you're like whoa I mean this these teams are like we were talking about that Toronto team uh, being kind of a weaker champion. I, I feel like this Toronto team would beat. Both of these teams, in yeah, like potentially five games. Yeah, honestly, I I, yeah. I I just don't really. see I think it. I would pick them against either of these teams. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's the, like the Kawhi wraps. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I I, I just think that this is a very even even the ones you know because obvi- obviously they're not as strong as the, those Cleveland teams or the Golden State or the Miami or the San Antonio teams, but even this little interim with the Lakers and the Raptors and the Bucks, these two teams are just not even on that level. So. Uh, I don't. I don't say that. To, I mean, you're still going to win the championship. People, and no one's going to care. In there years. are no asterisks yeah, in this yeah, world, yeah, yeah, especially yeah. because we're talking about the COVID era, yeah. right? And we talked so much at the beginning of the season about how wild it is to have to play under the conditions where I mean, we had nearly twice as many NBA players this season as we have in any other season because of all the short-term ten-day contract turnarounds that yeah. happened because of COVID absences. Right? There's just a lack of continuity. And ultimately, it becomes, you know, uh, as much as the playoffs are always a game of attrition, just a game with stakes that are that much higher uh, in the COVID era. Yeah, and I, I think the, the thing with the Celtics, if we're going into the next season, if they win the championship, they don't win the championship. I think the thing about them that's so obvious is that they have three, their three best players do incredibly stupid things with the ball at some, some point. <laughs> when you say three best, are you including Smart as the third? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, you could you could make a case for Robert Williams totally being the third best. Player. He's on his way, yeah. or you'd think he would if he could just be a little more consistent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, injuries is sort of you know it's when yeah. I, I love Robert Williams. So, but but I think those three guys. I mean, 
the things that we said in the middle of the season, and they have totally, you know, we were talking about them with Dallas, and both of those teams sort of skyrocketed up, and obviously Boston has gone way past anyone's prediction in December. Like, nobody would have been like, oh, this team is going to... Yeah, after the start they had, especially. Yeah, yeah this, this team's going to do X. You know, people were calling for, the, you know, their coach's job, you know, at that point, until, like, February, where they turned it around. But this, the thing still remains for me is they're a little, they, a little thin... And they need a point guard. Or, you know, even if it's the backup to Marcus Smart who can give them 10 or 15 minutes to handle the ball. It just, they, they just make some of the, I mean, I can't imagine being a fan of that team because I would just be screaming at my television. You know, like, it's it's just like, you know, there, there's the Peyton Pritchard, like, just literally comes in the game and then throws the ball out of bounds. There's the, we talked about the Marcus Smart threes. There's the. I mean, just all of them have, have sort of like, you know, the, the, the classic Jason Tatum, dribble it around, do a, do a, a, a step back two that is never going to go in uh, sort of deal, you know. So it's like, it, it is, it, it, honestly, I, you know, people have said that Boston is a slightly better team than Golden State. And I don't, I, I, can, I can see that on a vacuum on paper, you know, as they say. But they're not as smart as Golden State. And Golden State is winning these games sort of because they're solid, solid on defense. And I know Golden State has turnover problems too, but they just make the right play. And you're like, you know, I just feel like if these games are sort of, when these games are decided, I'd rather have Golden State than those guys than than Boston. I think as we've seen this uh, series progress and as the games, especially uh, game five, like just got down to the fucking muck, right? Yeah. Just nobody could hit a three. Um, I feel like what you were just speaking to with, say, like Golden State system producing buckets, I think that the thing that the Celtics don't have that somehow the Warriors do have is a guy to go to when the system fails, right? Because yeah. because the system so much in in Boston has been has been you know get the ball to Tatum and you know get out of the way. I almost wonder if Brown coming off the bench in a bench role for the future mm. would be the thing they're missing that Golden State has found in Andrew Wiggins. Because Wiggins yeah. has been to me the story of the. I mean, obviously the the story of Game Four was uh, was Steph uh, and you know just just willing them to win and everybody just talking you know Draymond Green saying like hey that to me that is the Steph game that is the one to remember him by like he put us on his back and just absolutely carried us the whole way through there in a game we had to have right absolutely very very true but the Warriors don't have a prayer in this series if you don't have Andrew Wiggins doing two things. One, playing his starter role of guarding the other team's best wing. And he's been as effective as anybody has been on Tatum this playoffs, right? And the second thing is, when the shots aren't falling, and most crucially when Steph is off the floor, he's had an ISO game and just gone out and gotten himself buckets. Uh, When when the system is not producing the points, and in Game 5, it wasn't uh, for long stretches because nobody could hit hit a three off the open man um, on either side, honestly. But Wiggins just kind of took over for chunks when uh, when Curry was was off the floor. And you would think that with the Celtics having seemingly on paper better depth, they would have someone to do that. I don't know why, but it seems like they haven't tried to stagger those minutes so that you always have one or the other on the floor as much. Or when Brown is the only guy on the floor, he he hasn't he's either not had the directive or the the gumption to kind of take that role on for himself. 
Um, maybe it's unfair to even compare Brown to Wiggins at this point because what we're seeing is the emergence of of a you know a superstar role player on a championship team, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, the Finals MVP would go to Curry if they wind up winning it, but the only other player you could give it to on the Warriors is Wiggins. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's hard for me that role that word role player. I don't think of the second best player on the team as a role player. Ooh, so, hot! So, so second I, best player over Dre. I mean, we've watched the series. You know? well, I mean, no, second best player in the series for sure. Yeah, I mean, but I don't think he's the second I, best player I, on the I roster. I think probably. Yeah, I'm gonna say since Dre had that injury, Andrew Wiggins has been Golden State. Oh, player. Canada, <laughs> Maple Leaf, Jordan, our home and native <laughs> land. <laughs> True Patriots love in all your sons' command. My dad's from Canada. Yeah, I don't know the words as well as you. That's uh, the last one I knew. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I mean, I think, I think you know, whatever uh, Draymond injury had, he hasn't been the same since he's come back. He's had some great uh, moments, quarters, you know, that sort of thing. But, yeah, I mean, Draymond, or Draymond, Wiggins, this is not, I mean, he was great. Against Dallas, he's been he's been a really good player, at least since the Memphis series. You know, yeah, um, I totally agree with you. By the yeah, way, yeah, I, yeah. I, like I just thought I was gonna have to come in and make the case for hey, it turns out Andrew Wiggins has found like the role where he gets to excel, and I I didn't predict it. Like I, I had the Warriors in the finals losing to the Bucks, but I didn't think it was because Wiggins was going to be the second best player on the team and through the playoffs. And I and I uh, you know here's the thing, a couple of things. I really love Jalen Brown. I'm a big fan of Jalen Brown, but it's hard for me to watch this series. And Jalen Brown has actually played great. Yeah. You know? No. No. Nothing against him. Yeah. Yeah. But he I, just hasn't produced what I, Wiggins has for. But I'm just like. Uh, Andrew Wiggins does, except for the three-point shooting, Andrew Wiggins does everything that Jalen Brown does, except he's two or three inches taller. So it's just like, I, you know, to me it's like, you know, I don't know. So that means he's slightly better on defense. He's, he's a better rebounder. He's also a step above athletically. Yeah. And that's saying something because Jalen Brown is a really good athlete. And again, I, this is not me. Jalen Brown is... Borderline, he's going to be a borderline all star, all star every yeah, year. Wiggins has first overall pick physical profile, yeah. and it, it's just it's it gives him an edge. Yeah, and I and I would just say it's like um, people got really mad that he was a starter all star this year, and I was always just like, yeah, I mean maybe he shouldn't be the starter. That's fair, but if you went down the West roster, right, he would have been on the All Star team. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I, I think that people have this, you know. And, and I, then I started thinking about sort of these guys like Jason Terry, Otis Thorpe, some of the, some of the most random second best players on a championship team that you would just never like think about. Like if you said their like I just said their names out loud, you wouldn't be like, hey, that was the second best player on the championship team. Um, I guess you could go uh, Dennis Johnson on the old Seattle Supersonics if we're going way back. Uh, oh, what what is it? Uh, Cornbread who won the NBA, NBA Finals and. Against you know when Larry Bird was you know the before Parrish and McHale mm-hmm. the first Boston Bird title, uh, so like there, I was just started thinking about that because Wiggins is definitely like you know one of the most random second best players if the Golden State wins the championship that you just be like okay you know I, yeah. I wouldn't even have thought this, uh, but yeah I just think it's like 
and I will the other th- the other thing is like I, I don't I think Golden State has a couple of guys even though Clay is kind of less than he's been and Poole and what they can do for you is just get you ten points yep. in an instant yep and maybe they don't score the rest of the game or they don't score that much the rest of the game. But they can give you a stretch of just like, oh crap, they're on fire. They just hit four shots in a row. Well, and, and, and that has always been the point of the Warriors' offense yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Like with Steve bending the geometry, uh, uh, Steve Stephen Curry uh, bending the geometry of the court to to basically make the team take more threes. And I think what Boston is lacking is they just depend on those two guys. And there's who's going to give it to you? You know, you're hoping that a guy can shoot really well. And the thing about Marcus Smart wakes up every day hoping it's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but Trey Poole, uh Trey Poole, <laughs> Trey Poole, uh, Poole and and Clay, you know they're not known for their Trey Poole is my uh, one of my favorite rock drummers from the band <laughs> Peen Day. Peen Day, uh, they're not known for going to the basket, but they both can. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of these Boston guys, except for Smart, they either can't shoot. Smart can't shoot. They either can't shoot or they can't drive. <laughs> and the other the utilitary Golden State players can do both. You know, they may not be the best at it, but they can do it. They can, you know, Clay can go to the hole if he needs to. He can shoot He can shoot a mid-range. He can shoot a three. I mean, if we're talking about Tatum, the reason he's just not as good as Steph Curry is simple. He has no clue. He's missing layups right now, which is probably just nerves or fatigue or whatever. But he doesn't have a mid-range game. There's no mid-range game in Jason Tatum's. Like, he doesn't have any function of it. Yeah. This is, this is a syndrome of players that don't make it past this point. Is they don't they forget the mid range exists. And he they has try to shoot threes. He has points. a little bit like he has like the the turnaround uh, uh, lane jumper, but he doesn't have many moves to go with it. He yeah. hasn't he hasn't added all the little like all the crap that everyone fetted Kobe about, right? Like all the you know the the post footwork stuff that yeah. would let him like he can turn around and and you know fade or just or just rise in the lane. And that's it. That's his move in the mid. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's fine. But he's also seems to be somebody where, and I think this might be product of the era and coaching. He does seem to to either want to be at the rim or at the three point line, and I, that, yeah, that, that, I, that is that is the point of of how the of how the offensive scheme is like you know supposed to get him shots. For sure, I think that what happens is that everything breaks down, and you see this like you saw Golden State do it a bunch, where you're like, oh, Steph just banked in a shot. He can't make a three in this game. Yeah. So what's he gonna do? He's gonna still try to shoot the threes, but every once in a while he's just gonna go in a couple of steps in the three and just try to make a just try to make a mid-range shot. Clay's done that too when he's off shooting nights. So I just think that that is that offense works eighty-five percent of the time or whatever it is. But it's really those 15, that fifteen percent moment. Are are you gonna break that offense to just get a bucket? To just get yourself off the schneid so you can you know so you're not scoring thirty-eight points and a half like Boston did last night. And on that, I have to circle back to one of the reasons he can't just go to the rim, which he has done. He, he has consistently been able to, to, to get to the rim in his playoffs uh, is because of the person who's guarding him most of the time. He, he's tall enough and long enough to score yeah. at the rim against most people that aren't Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. And it's not that Wiggins is a dynamo. It's just that he has the same you know athleticism and length to, to keep it with him and bother him the whole way through. And it means that Tatum is missing a higher percentage of his shots at the rim. Yeah, I think I think... We all agree. The only other thing I have to say about this finals is uh, fake clay uh, shot uh, shot jumpers lost ten thousand dollars. I'm trying to figure out if the tickets he lost was ten thousand dollars for one ticket or ten thousand dollars for two. T- he said he lost ten thousand dollars of tickets. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna guess that it's really expensive to go to a finals game in San Francisco. 
I'm just like, how expensive is that? Oh, insane! Yeah, yeah. He wasn't on. He wasn't on the front row. He he was not. You know, he was in the crowd. It wasn't like a courtside ticket situation. So, Um, yeah. So, fake clay. Hardly knew you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, R.I.P. Yeah. So, uh, a couple of other things I wanted to talk about. So the so we are we are getting there. We're getting to the end of the the whole shebangle. Shebangle? That's what we call it. The, the whole shebangle. I, I That's think. what they, the, the NBA Finals. The battle for the whole shebangle. <laughs> that sounds like the, that sounds like the worst bagel. That's like, like I, I, I have the, uh, the owner of the 12th best, uh, bagel place in Queens. Welcome to shebangles. <laughs> this one fell on the floor. You can have it. Uh, hey. Just oh, we're getting loose, guys. We're we're near the end of the whole shebangle. We're just getting beers. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about um, the coaching changes. Uh, we can we can touch on some of them. And there's some openings too. We've talked about sort of trades and weird trades and stuff like that. Uh, the one I'm most interested in, so I'll, ta- I'll I'll start it off with that is Kenny Atkinson has been hired as the Charlotte Hornets. Coach. R.I.P. James Boriego. Yeah, J- James Boriego. Boriego. Uh, not number one on the list. James Oingo Boingo. R.I.P. Because uh, number one is the Oklahoma City coach, who I don't know right now. Uh, but definitely Borrego was in the top four of. Do I know who this? Who's this guy again? <laughs> you I, can see his. You can see his face like forty times, and you're like, Oh yeah, James Borrego. Yeah. I, I did Google it. The OKC coach is Mark Dagenault. Yeah, just ne- never. not a name or a face that stuck with me. Yeah, you're Le- not, learn it never. Yeah, you're gonna yeah you're gonna say it to me, and I I will not know. The next time I see this team on national TV, there will be it will be several coaches from now. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Kenny Atkinson had a great run with uh, the Nets. Developed a lot of players who are way better than when they. When Kenny Atkinson came along, this was a player development hire, right? Yeah, yeah, and it, I, so I think that's a kind of a perfect hire. And we also just don't know because Kenny Atkinson was uh, was murdered by DeAndre Jordan and, and Steve Nash, uh, you know, ended his coaching career. We don't really know if if Kenny Atkinson can take the next level. He never really got the shot. He never got the couple of like Brent Brown seasons to realize, oh crap, this guy is no good in the playoffs. You know, he didn't even get that chance. So, I'm very, very interested in it. Uh, Charlotte has also has like the 13th and 15th pick. You think there's some centers over there? You think they could get a young center? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for him to just sort of develop these guys, and I think he'll do a good job. He's great with guards. I mean, just you know, you say develop these guys. Here's the thing: I don't think of the of the Hornets as being a particularly young team, and so the. What I saw about the Kenny Atkinson hire is that his kind of only claim to fame, I think, was the uh, Nets defensive efficiency improved in each of the four years that he was there, right? Um, Not really an offensive mastermind. What excites me about this possibility is that he just get handed to LaMelo and say, go be an offense, right? That sounds fun. Exactly. But outside (laughs) of LaMelo, I mean, like, they're still dealing with Gordon Hayward. You know, Isaiah Thomas is technically on this team. Terry Rozier's got a lot of money committed. Yeah, I I honestly think this team is Miles Bridges and and LaMelo Ball. Like I don't, yeah. I don't really. I mean, who cares who the other? I mean, I no offense to any of these guys, but like you said, I I don't think. I think that. Well, oh, my 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 point yeah, is, it's sorry. just those two guys and a bunch of old guys, not old, but like guys who aren't going to be part of this team long term. No, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I do think though, 
your first point is right, which is just to say, hey, if we get this team sort of marginally good at defense, it doesn't even have to be great. They just have to be average. Just try to sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, and then Lamelo will take care of the offense. Yeah. And so, like, I, I just think it's like, um, yeah, I mean, they have the Gordon Harewood thing is just one of those contracts where fan bases are just trying to trade him all around the league. I mean, so many teams have that where they just have a guy that they're like, how can we trade him? To no, okay, you don't like that, okay. So, there, there has supposedly been actual interest uh, on the on Charlotte's part in uh, Westbrook only to get off of Hayward's contract. Yeah, I to, mean to, to trade for him and then stretch Westbrook. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, I would be afraid of that because Jordan is the type of owner to say let's play Westbrook in the backcourt together. But, but yeah, um, I don't think it's good for the Lakers either. But. Yeah, but like. Uh, but yeah, they definitely have contract issues. But I think this is a move to just there are a few young guys that they have. PJ Washington is one. They've been trying to trade him a ton of times, but they have a couple other young guys. Book Knight, who didn't really get to play that much under Borrego, which I think is part of the reason Borrego got fired because they drafted Book Knight and then they just I think they drafted him like ninth or tenth, and they never played the guy. And it's like that's one thing if you're Steve Kerr. And you're about to win the championship, right? If you don't play your draft pick that's in the top 10 and you were the Golden State Warriors, okay, great. But if you're the Charlotte Hornets and you're you're vying for the play-in and you're not playing your ninth, 10th pick, I, I mean, I would be pretty pissed if I was the GM too in that situation. So, like, mm-hmm. I think Book Knight will get a little bit more run uh, under Atkinson. So, you know, I could see Terry Rozier moving. I could see. Um, I don't. I don't know. Hayward's going to move just because I don't know that anybody's going to want him. Yeah. I think Rozier is probably the more likely candidate because there, there's teams that could use Terry Rozier, mm-hmm. and he has some value. And honestly, you just don't need him in in sort of that environment. So I'm excited about it. I think it'll make them better. If it makes them better on defense, this team is more likely to be a playoff team than they are right now. And that's really all they want, yeah. uh, clearly. They're at that stage where Boriego had to go because he just wasn't going to be enough to... It, it, it's it's almost like, it's almost like hey, there's there's no reason to make this change other than to make the change. Because yeah. you have not... you know they, they, they seem like a team that had an outside shot at, at chasing that eight seed this year. Um, certainly in the first you know half of the year, they were in the hunt. And then, you know, now they got to shuffle the deck again. So I, I don't necessarily think that Atkinson... Uh, foretells any kind of clear plan. I don't think that they expect him to be the coach of this team long term. Whenever when they have a good team around Lamelo Ball, but they want to see what they can do with the parts they have. See what they can turn the parts they have into. You, um, I think you know you mentioned Rozier. Yeah, I think Kelly Oubre Jr. is still somebody whose contract can get moved around to you know find a role on a contender. Um, or you know someone's gonna talk themselves into him being the missing piece. But that's really all they have. And I don't necessarily think they're likely to make the playoffs just off of a co- coaching change. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you, you were interested in talking about this one. To me, it was kind of a big, who care? Yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, well, we I, could... I say that now not knowing what other moves are in store for the summer. Um, there's one other, and this is like a small draft point, because I did mention their picks. They do have the 13th, I believe, and 15th pick. Uh, Mark Williams and Jalen Durian. Are these? Just, they're just two. Uh, it's funny we talked before about like, uh, uh, just there's there's a type of big man that Jalen Durian is definitely in this category of just like lazy college big man who is actually pretty good in the pros. There's a lot. I mean, we, we have one uh, Time Lord uh, mm-hmm. for Boston. Uh, DeAndre Jordan is you know uh, John, uh, John uh, Andre Drummond. Not not to say that these any of these guys were great, but they definitely made it in the league. 
DeAndre Jordan has one of my favorite things because I remember him. He would just like when he was in college, he would just lay on the chairs of the bench <laughs> like he was sleeping. Uh, uh, I think Durian is more of a Time Lord, Robert Williams defensive specialist than he is an offensive specialist, but just a total specimen. Mm-hmm. You might be more familiar with Mark Williams because he's a Duke's, Duke center, seven one seven two. Uh, just a big body, you know, just a big guy. I don't think either of these guys are uh, superstar potential, but I also think these guys will probably start, you know, probably be in the rotation. Uh, I, so my question to you, the other guys in this range, right? And I think Charlotte needs to pick a center for sure. But the other guys in this range are basically wings that are mystery boxes. Like you can, you can like, they might be great. They have higher upside, way further downside. What is your, like, if you're just a person, you have, you have, you have package A, which is functional NBA center, right? Mm-hmm. You, you think that if you develop this guy, especially on a defensive end, he could be a Robert Williams. He could play in an NBA finals. He could be a loony. He could, he could play in, you know, in the NBA finals. But you also have this other guy who could be, you know, I guess I'm going to throw out of the hat Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell was picked 13th or 14th. Mm-hmm. But he also could just bust out of the league. Mm-hmm. Like you could just never see him again. What are you as a GM, what are you, what are you doing in that situation? Uh, no question. Best prospect available. Best prospect. That's it. Yeah. I mean, there, there's there's no other reason to talk yourself into expecting anything from a, uh, you know, a, a pick that's at the back end of the lottery or even really start, starting at, say, pick seven or eight. Yeah, Honestly, yeah. like you should really only be drafting for potential. Um, partly because that potential... You know, if it does pay off, like when we say potential work, but we're talking about upside as a as a you know final pro level player, right? Yeah. Um, is that if it does pan out, you would probably set fire to the rest of your roster to, to keep them, right? I mean, if if you could promise me that a player is going to be as good as as Donovan Mitchell, you'd consider him basically on the level of Lamelo Ball. Yeah. Uh, on that roster. Now, I will say that that that, that team is going to be more uh, attached to Lamelo because they drafted him where they drafted him, and they 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 pin their hopes on him. Yeah. But but I'm I'm saying like you know you I, you can get that player, and I mean if you end up with a player that's a couple years younger than Lamelo Ball, you would trade Lamelo Ball. Again. Pure hypothetical. The other reason that you do it is because that maintains the narrative that keeps their value uh, to trade them somewhere else, right? That's like, fair, like yeah. the, the only way you get return value on a on a on a pick like that uh, once you make the pick is by picking somebody that somebody else would have picked at that place, right? Yeah. And to me, there's just there's so much that goes into. Uh, scouting and player development and stuff like that that I do not know and I don't follow. I don't know why you thought I would know the the Duke center other than well, I saw you just watched two play, games. Yeah. yeah, but he wasn't. I mean, I watched I watched fucking uh, uh, Montero play. That's it. You like? Yeah. Like, I mean, no, I get it. Not, I get it. Two two college games does not a Duke expert make me. Um, I just thought you might be aware. No, no, no. But but you, <laughs> you don't draft for need of that place. Yeah. yeah. I, and, no, and, I, I think I agree with you. I, I don't think teams do that anymore. I don't think teams like really look to draft for need. Outside of the, the the high lottery, yeah, I think Mark Williams is a definite like uh, uh, high floor, low ceiling prospect. I actually think Durian. Some people will convince themselves that he's so athletic that he could be, you know, more potential. You know, even though he plays at a center position where it's like we kind of know what the center looks like. That's a, a five star center, and if you can't, like I said, kids, if you can't pass, dribble, shoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, those are the three things. Those happen to be the basketball things. Uh, all right. Uh, the other two coaches, uh, we, we can just touch on them. Uh, Marvin Ham, which which what I, is his name? Not Marvin. Marvin Ham. I'm a mess of his name. What is that? Oh my god. 
What is this? Yo, name? Chuck, Chuck Ham. It's your cousin Darvin, Marvin. Is it Darvin? It's Darvin Ham? Darvin Ham. Sorry, Darvin Ham, and for the uh, Lakers, and then uh, <laughs> the look on your face. <laughs> and uh, then uh, Sacramento got uh, Mike Brown. I feel like I'm missing one too. Um, yeah, so I think that's it though. Mike yeah. Brown and and uh, Darvin Ham. Uh, sorry. Do you? I mean, I. I honestly think with Mike Brown, we kind of know the score. Yeah. Um, and the score is excellent. It's not It's not a score of excellence. Let's just say that. Uh, I think that's it's kind of a weird Kenny Atkinson coaching hire without the upside of maybe Kenny Atkinson has another level that we don't know about. With Mike Brown, we know he'll make them slightly better on defense. He has no clue of what he's doing on offense. As he, as he actually uh, just showed us when he was the interim coach for the Golden State Warriors yeah. against the Memphis Grizzlies and looked totally clueless. Yeah. Uh, you know, probably just a guy who's a great assistant but shouldn't be a head coach. Yep. Uh, I don't know. Ham is interesting. I mean, we, it's just kind of a mystery box. I don't is know. he? I mean, it's interesting in the fact that it's not... Um, you know the Lakers tradition of LeBron, not even the Lakers, but LeBron traditionally likes the name. You know, it has to be some sort of coached before that sort of thing. So. Incorrect. He likes he likes he likes either he wants either Mike Krzyzewski, He wants okay. a name, or he wants former player who will let him do anything he wants. Right? Okay. Oh like, yeah, like, 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 like Ty Lue. Ty was yeah. A, yeah right. Okay, that makes sense. I I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, it's like. I think with the Lakers, I don't think it's a coaching thing. I think it's just a roster construction thing, uh, plus a how good is AD thing. Um, those those are the two bigger questions than like a scheme or you know it's it's like if the prime Greg Popovich is not I don't I, I don't think a, a great coach is gonna with this roster as it's currently constructed make them into anything that they are right now. Nope, I agree. And and honestly like I'm fine with them making the uh the you know player friendly former player uh coach. I'm fine with that choice. Uh apparently the one they were holding out for, they were trying to entice out of his current job was Juwan Howard, who's coaching at Michigan. Oh, yeah. Uh Juwan Howard, who I don't know anything about his job at Michigan other than the team was okay this year and that he tried to punch the coach from Wisconsin. <laughs> Those are the two things I know about Juwan well, Howard. Uh, so be- I would have loved that personally. <laughs> I think it would have been, would have been cool. Um but but more than anything, Juwan Howard, you know, Ju- Juwan Howard, I think he was on the uh I think he was around the Miami franchise when LeBron was there, so they have like personal connection. Um, again, just just like you know, let let the team run roughshod. Who gives a shit? Um, kind of player hire uh, with Darvin Ham. He has connection to the franchise. There's been a lot of you know a lot of videos of him. Uh, he was kind of famously like the guy that Kobe liked to to guard him in practice because you know he put up effort and, and yeah, did, yeah. did longer hours with him and all that stuff. So uh, all that's nice. Um, I don't know anything about him as a coach. I, my understanding is that he's he's been considered in that uh, tier of assistants who uh, is due for a job. Like yeah. somebody's going to hire this person into a full time role, which means he can do all those like little things about like relating to management and talking to owners and managing up. Right? He can do yeah. all that stuff apparently. And when you have LeBron James as your uh, on your team, you don't really need a coach like outside of that. Uh, the thing that the only thing that, that gives me any kind of uh, uh, I don't know spark of excitement about the Darvin Ham hire uh, is that the first assistant has been announced. Who's Are you aware of that? Uh, as Charlie Murphy would say, it's Rashid Wallace. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, Rashid Wallace, who is one of my favorite players of all time, a guy who has barely coached in the dozen years he's been out of the league, uh, like literally was 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 on the was like on the business roster for a season, took like seven years off, and then came back and uh, and uh, coached Amazing. coached high school for a year, and then uh, and then coached. Uh, with uh, Mem- uh, Penny Hardaway's Memphis uh, team, he's he's been there for the last season. Uh, okay. uh, that being said, he was a guy who uh, who when he was in the league, he was a popular pick for like what player is going to be a coach in the future. You know, back back when he was in the league, him and Sam yeah. Cassell were were two of the guys that everyone looked at as. If he wants to go into coaching, he's just got like a crazy good NBA brain and stuff. He's he kind of in that way is sort of like the um, the Draymond Green template in terms of like being able to kind of teach everybody around him like here's how you make the reads, here's 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 the tricks I mean, to, it, it, to shade on defense, yeah. all that stuff. It does feel like the Lakers are hiring a staff of players, and I think that's part of, part of the reason is like you know it. I think that there's just some issues in that locker room that need a player to yell at other players. You know, like, yeah. I think it's like LeBron doesn't want to yell at Russell Westbrook, but a Rashid Wallace can definitely yell at him. Well, supposedly uh, Westbrook... So so, so basically, I, I, it seems that, that they made this hire because they plan to keep Westbrook. Yeah. Just keep him to the term uh, of his contract. Uh, thinking... I think the thinking is kind of like, well, it can't be any worse, you know? And yeah. through the first half of the year, when LeBron started missing games, there were a lot of games that Westbrook actually like kept them in, and and it's just a question of like, can you get like a very slightly better version of Westbrook, and how much better does that make the team? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could, I mean, I'm not totally against it because you can always trade him at the trade deadline, and he's going to be way easier to trade. Yeah, them. as an expiring deal. Yeah, as yeah. an expiring deal. And I, I also would say it's not like the Lakers just didn't have a Westbrook problem; they had a holy shit, everyone else on this roster except for really LeBron problem. I mean, a lot of, you know, like... No, I, I, I have resisted talking with the Lakers on this show. Like, yeah. I really have. We have not talked a lot of Lakers on this show. Yeah. They had a health problem. They had a LeBron missed games for the first time no, in his no, career no, for problem. Sure, for sure, And an AD missed games but, not no. for the first time in his career problem. Yeah, yeah. But I, and ultimately, ultimately, not, they did not have any lineups that played significant minutes together. I'm not, dis- I'm really not disagreeing with you. I think if, yeah. you, if you think if AD and LeBron can have better health, Right, and you can just move some of these role players around. Either that means them slightly getting better, figuring out in the system, or you get other guys in there that are maybe. I, I honestly think the younger guys, some of the younger guys on the Lakers played okay. Right, mm-hmm. I feel like if you just go young with those role players, I know that's counterintuitive to what people want to do. But I do think that if we saw anything with the Lakers' role, I'm talking about mostly. I'm not talking about Idea or LeBron. I'm talking about the role players. Well, you're talking about Austin Reeves. Well, Austin uh, Reeves and what's the other kid? That's you're talking Malik kid. Monk, who's not going to be around. Yeah, Malik Monk is Malik Monk's going to get paid. He was yeah. on a league minimum. Kendrick Nunn will probably be on this team, and I think people kind of expect like if he comes back and plays basketball, he'll be a decent player, especially on league minimum. Yeah. Um, but other than that, there's not a lot of youth on this team. There really isn't a lot. Yeah. Um, Mac McClung came in and out of the roster a couple times. That's not what you're talking about. I mean, it really, it really. I know is, there isn't a lot. That's what I'm sort of saying. Like, it really yeah. is a question of can they find another monk? Can they find another guy who's willing to come because yeah. he's undervalued and you know throw minimum at him and see better production? And if you get that player and you get a decently healthy LeBron and AD with just enough to make chemistry on the court with Westbrook and like kind of find a couple lineups that work, the appropriate expectations for this team are not going to be contender. 
just because they are too limited in their in their salary cap to yeah. to find the players they need. Uh, you know that version of Dwight Howard who has one more good role player year in the tank is not there. That version of Danny Green, who R.I.P. Danny Green, by the way, um, that was an Achilles tear, apparently. Yeah, that, no, yeah, I, he's gone. Looks like he's done. Yeah, um, yeah, they're they're trying to get rid of his contract, and he may be done with basketball. Um, but to get that Danny Green in the last year where he could yeah, produce yeah, yeah, that yeah. level, like as a you know, or Markeith Morris or Javale McGee on I mean, the scrap I, heap, yeah. you got to see if you can just luck into those guys if you want to consider them a quote unquote contender. Uh, otherwise, the appropriate expectations are that this this Lakers team. If they can find that continuity and just find a better vibe in the locker room, can just be a playoff team. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think I think you know we see Gary Payton Jr. in this finals. I mean, that's a good example of it. The Golden States of the world and the Miami's of the world are great at pulling these guys out of the G League, and it takes a couple of years. It takes patience. You yeah. can't you can't just and that's what I would hope that the Lakers front office thinks about a little bit more is just taking a chance on some of these guys. In the hope that you just need, like you said, you just need one or two of them to pop. And if you get that, you know, maybe this year is is sort of a, a transition year. And you have next year, you actually have some guys that are, are still on great contracts that you can you can do this thing. I, I don't think that that's unrealistic, personally. But like, no. I, but but right right now, the the turnaround time for a Lakers title is probably not one season. That's what I'm saying. Um, yeah. There are things that the team could do if you know optimistically. The best case scenario is that the vibe is good and that you know Westbrook's contract expires amicably or he gets traded at some point. Uh, you know, hopefully somewhere he wants to go or just to put him in a position where he can go sign his next deal and be happy. Um, but there's there, there's no version of this team that wins a title with Westbrook soaking up that much money. Uh, the question of, you know, do they get someone who's on an overvalued contract who then pays off? I mean, you mentioned the Heat. I think a player like Duncan Robinson might be available. And a player like Duncan Robinson might look a hell of a lot better next to LeBron and AD than he does next to Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, obviously he's got to find a shot. But there are players out there who are in that kind of middle class tier that once the Lakers get any kind of breathing room in the cap, um, and don't, let's not forget that, that you know as soon as the season's over, they have the ability to trade another first-round pick. So there's a little more flexibility to make moves, yeah. right? Or there's something there, there at least. Um, you know, there'll be there'll be an opportunity. Whether LeBron and AD are going to be happy enough in the meantime is the big question. Yeah. And everyone thought that like you know oh like LeBron LeBron signed in Los Angeles. There's nobody there, right? It took a season and a half to make the fucking team, yeah, right? Yeah. And if he thinks he's got enough in the tank to be a to be you know a LeBron level dominant player in the playoffs come playoffs, and I wouldn't bet against it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all a question of if he's healthy or not. But at his like healthy run this year, he's one of the best players in the league. The only reason we're not talking about LeBron as one of the best players in the league this year is because he just missed so many games. Yeah. But he had one of the best offensive seasons in his career from an efficiency rate. His, his assist rate was super high. Like, you know, all the good markers were there. Yeah. He's not going to be the defender he was, right? So that's something you got to take into account with how you build the rest of the roster. The question is, does the ham hire? Does the 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 uh, interceding year between now and when they can actually make more of a roster um, that might that might raise their ceiling uh, um, come to pass? Does that time alienate LeBron and AD, or does it do, do they weather it and then you know sign 
ultimately, I think we're now in that Cleveland territory, second Cleveland run, where it's only going to be year to years from here on out. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. The, the truth is, it's the Los Angeles Lakers. At some point, LeBron won't be on this team anymore. At some point, Anthony Davis won't be on this team anymore. And you know who's going to sign there? One of the best fucking players in the league. It just is true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I, you're you're almost like rolling your eyes, like it won't be true for. No, it is true. It's it just is the, it, the most glamorous no, and wealthiest I, I, franchise. I, I, in the I, don't, I don't disagree with yeah. that. I it's mean, like the Yankees; they I can't I, be bad for longer than a decade. No, I, I don't. We might have another fucking decade. We just went through a decade, but you know, what we got at the end of it a fucking title, and banners fly forever, my friend. Man, uh, <laughs> I, I wonder how this podcast would be if Boston was up three two right now, dude. Uh, I, I, I almost didn't want to do it this week. <laughs> I know. I can tell. Up, I was edgy because I was just like, I'm having such a bad time watching the playoffs right now. Yeah. I'm trying to will myself into the position. I'm sorry. I know you want to say something else, but uh, I'm trying to will myself into that mindset that I had when like the Warriors were on the come up. And I'm yeah. like, hey, this is fun. It's like it's like the Expendables version of the Warriors. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, hey, is Draymond going to stay on the court? Is Clay's, is Clay's leg going to uh, explode? Um but I don't want to see the Warriors win another fucking title. Like yeah. they're 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 in the Pacific and they've won enough. But the team they're playing against is the one team that just like watching the games makes me itch. Yeah, yeah. Every time there's just an element of it. As much as as much as I want to say, uh, you know, the joke that I make is like you know uh, Boston fans chant "Beat LA," and Lakers fans are the Don Draper meme where they say, "I don't think about you at all." And most of the time, guys, we don't. You guys do. It's funny. But the truth is, like, like any real good rivalry, right? Like, yeah. it actually does bother us to see them succeed. I mean, I, I, I'm i not allowed to have this rivalry. But I, I do feel the same way about the Utah Jazz. Uh, so, really? Uh, oh, I hate the Utah Jazz. Well, the Utah Jazz are very hateable, but I mean, as a Rockets I, fan, it's really that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't like them. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know. I Maybe mean, that's just how I feel, you know? Hmm. Yeah. I, it's... It's um I, I could get there with the Mavericks. I mean I, I've I've had points and the Lakers of course the Lakers are the Lakers. Everybody hates the Lakers. Everyone can hate the Lakers. Yeah yeah yeah. We, yeah. We, we but I, but I don't think for Rockets fans Lakers are number one on that. I do think there is a little bit of me that roots for the Western Conference in general. Yeah. You know I mean uh, you know the the beat L A comes from Boston fans saying to Philadelphia fans. During that faux 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 run yeah. to beat LA, yeah. right? Uh, that's the, that's the origin of that. So I, I do think I, I feel a little bit of that, and so I I'm not rooting for the Celtics. I mean, I I'll be honest, I just I'm just like I'd rather the Western Conference team win. Well, I think as in, two, general, in general, as two three people who grew up west of the Mississippi River, yeah. I think we all actually do acutely feel the whole East Coast bias thing. Yeah, where like anytime the Knicks are even remotely good for a two-week stretch to, uh, at any point in the first two months of the season. It's Knicks, 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 right? Yeah. Uh, like, or just how much every Boston, New York, and to a lesser extent Philadelphia uh, team gets, like, an inordinate amount of coverage, regardless of if they're good or bad, right? Like, I think we all kind of feel that. And it's not something that gets talked about a lot, but, like, East Coast bias in media is so completely real yeah, no, that totally. it, just, it just makes them grating and... Uh, and yeah, it sucks. I don't want to watch the goddamn Celtics in general. Uh, I certainly don't want to watch them in a finals when the Lakers aren't beating them. Yeah. I, I, uh, what I was going to say, though, and this is the only thing I to, to go back to the thing, is like, I, uh, uh, it's funny because when I was into the I'll say two things. When I was into the NFL, I really hated the Steelers because I was kind of a, nominally a Cowboys fan. And I hated Ooh. and a Bears fan. Those are the two teams I rooted for. The NFC, NFC teams. So I would just root for the one that wasn't 
That's why I'm not a football fan, because I really wasn't a fan of either of them. Uh, but I hated the teams I hated. And I hated the Packers. Hated the Packers. And I hated the Steelers. Uh, and then there was that one... Just as division rivals. Yeah. For well, the, the Packers, teams that you were... Packer, Packers were the Bears. I mean, that's the Bears' rival. Yeah. Uh, Steelers are the Cowboys' rival. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's... Like, that, yeah, yeah. Well, no, they're not in the same... They're at Super Bowl, right? It's more like a Celtics. Like, they played in the Super Bowl in the 70s. They played in the Super Bowl Oh, that's in the right. 90s. The Steelers are AFC team. Yeah, yeah. So they, they played in multiple... But when I was young, that was Shows still... Shows you what I know about football. Yeah, it was more current. Now, I don't even know if they're a rival because Cowboys suck for so long. But, like... I remember when the Packers and the Steelers played in the Super Bowl, and I my th- somebody asked me who I wanted to win, and I just said I just want the stadium to collapse and kill yeah. them all. I would always say I just want the scoreboard to fall and crush everybody. <laughs> uh, but I will say the other thing I wanted to say, what I was going to say before, is that the Warriors went from not being in the playoffs to losing in the bubble. To where they are right now, uh-huh. so this league changes really, really quickly, and so I think it's it's always a hard thing. It's always a hard call with any team to go, especially if they have a talent like LeBron and a talent like AD. We we don't know what we're going to get from AD, but he is a he is a even now he is a top fifteen talent in the NBA, even with all the questions and all that shit. And so, literally the worst he's been since his third or fourth. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like it's hard to count somebody with as they say that one of the guys. Out of it, ever, you know, in this situation. So, uh, the other team I wanted to talk about was actually the Utah Jazz, just because they have the opening. Quinn That's Snyder. Right. Snyder gone. Um, so, uh, Snyder has stepped down. Would, would, would you have wanted that if you were Utah? It's a hard thing. I mean, I think so. I, I do think Snyder's a little bit overrated. Not in the fact that he... Uh, not in the fact that he is not a, a genius on offense. I mean, if you're, if you're... He's one of those guys who needs a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He is so savant-like on offense, but that Utah defense that he ran, which was basically like Rudy Savage. Yeah, just go bear. Yeah, and we're just not going to have any speed on the on the wing, and we're just going to let people run into go bear. And some of that's the players' fault for sure. Some of that's the GM's fault for getting those guys. But there was never any. There's, you see these coaches, they're changing up schemes, they're figuring out. They're okay. This defense doesn't work. We're doing this. Quinn Snyder just doesn't have whatever that is, that defensive part. He'll he'll run the greatest inbounds play you've ever seen in your life. That's right. uh, so I do think it's good. I think that it's although I, I think Rudy Gobert is taking a lot of the blame. I, I, I I'm fine with it, just like we just need him to play somewhere else and see what we can get for him. Uh, so that's kind of my question is if we if we just take out Rudy Gobert. We just trade. You can make a, whatever trade you want to have, right? Reasonable trade, right? Whether it's Jason Collins, another guy from Atlanta, whatever it is. We bring two pieces in that are pretty good, you know? With Donovan Mitchell, it's really a Donovan Mitchell question. Who is the coach? Which coach do you want for Donovan Mitchell specifically? So, to be honest with you, um, out of the coaches available, blah, blah, I don't care. Because it's not really a question about Donovan Mitchell. I know why you're framing it that way, yeah. but it's a question of what you get back for Rudy Gobert. Because the thing is, Gobert is one of the few tradable assets that is making the money he's making, but a lot of teams will still move mountains to get. 
right? Yeah. I mean, we've named teams like Dallas and Atlanta, where Gobert seems like a really like he's one of the last options where he could be a, a very strong upgrade for a team that thinks they're good and wants to raise their ceiling to potential finals team, right? Yeah. Um, it's looking like there's a lot of smoke in Phoenix on the DeAndre Ayton situation, yeah. and that they are apparently looking for sign and trades. So, I mean, to me, like a sign and trade, uh, you know, if, if they end up with, with Aiton and, you know, something, yeah. um, the question of who coaches the Jazz comes down to who is the player and who's the something, right? Because you're still going to have all the problems that you had with Donovan Mitchell based on fit with the next best player. You know yeah, what I mean? and so, yeah, I, I hear that. I, I think what I would say about the Rudy Gobert situation that's happening right now, and it could change. It's a very hot market for Rudy Gobert. The Bulls have already expressed interest. The Atlanta's expressing interest. I think the Phoenix thing you mentioned could totally happen. You Dallas know, wants him too. Dallas wants him too. It's going to be a high price. So I think you're going to get something good. I, I, I really do. I, I think it's going to be more – people, when the trade happens, are going to go – I this is my prediction. Like, people are going, man, you're talking a lot for Rudy – because people underrate Rudy Gobert. They're going to go, wow, that was a lot. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so – I mean, I, I think that I'm just like, there's there's a couple of names out there. I mean, you know, do you go the full D'Antoni? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you get somebody like that that can get you? I'm making a bad face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, like there are names out there that could be possible. I mean, the guy that just left the Lakers, I don't think he's going to, I think he's going to take a year off. I don't think he's going to. Um, Vogel. Vogel. Um, uh, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, is is there someone out there that I'm just not thinking of? That, well, like, look, if, if you end up with uh, with Mitchell and Aiton as your main guys, right? Yeah. You need, uh, you know, you have a pick and roll offense basically right there. Yeah. Um, and then I guess you need a defensive-minded coach, right? Because you need to help uh, Aiton improve on that side more than anything else. Because your team's not going to the to the peaks they need him to that, that they need that they want to get to right replacing him with Gobert if you don't improve Aiton's defense that that is a team that could score a lot of points and get and give up twice as many. Yeah. Um, whereas if you end up with like the 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 poo poo platter from Atlanta, um, you might be a couple of you know role player you know cheap cheap signing big men away from a completely different roster where I don't know what coach you need for that like. I don't know what coach you 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 want for this. I don't think Donovan Mitchell is himself a dominant enough player to necessitate making the coaching decision before you know what the rest of the roster is. Yeah. So here's the thing. I th- I guess my my thing about this is that I I think that's fair. I think you probably should make the trade before you you pick a coach. Uh, they, I fully expect them to get past the lottery before. Yeah. They yeah. They, the, they just interviewed Sam Cassell. Who knows how good Sam Cassell will be as a head coach? We just don't know. Um, I do think with, when you mention something like DeAndre Ayton, I think that Utah is going to be able to get another piece with that. I think I think they're going to they're going to. I think this is partially Phoenix's fault because they've killed DeAndre Ayton's value. But I think that's going to be a situation. The contracts don't match because even if Ayton yeah. signs the max, he's not going to make as much yeah. as Gobert. So I think I think it's going to be, you know, I don't think it's impossible. I don't know that the, the Zach Levine thing would happen, but like I, I don't think it's impossible. Like Vucevic plus 
Patrick Williams. You know, like it, you may say it's a poo-poo platter, but I, I'm, I'm just like, I think the price is going to be higher than I'm even thinking about right now. Well, it's going to be those things and a first. Yeah, yeah. And maybe a second. Yeah, like, yeah. It's going to be who's willing to add the extra stuff on top of all that. And it's not going to be Levine. Levine's not going to leave Chicago for Utah. Well, he can get paid more in Chicago. Well, so and, these rumors... and, and the problem he's having right now is playing uh, playing alongside another ball-dominant scoring guard. Like, he, yeah. like supposedly, yeah, that's what he sure. doesn't like about, yeah, about yeah. the Chicago situation, right? Like, he, he wants to go somewhere where, where he is the primary guard on the ball. Uh, I mean, like, you know, it's crazy. I had this, like, thought. I just... Uh, in the middle of the night, sat bolt upright with sweat pouring down my head, and I thought, and I thought to myself, you know where he needs to go back is Minnesota. <laughs> you know, you know who can I use that. You know who can use twenty twenty two Zach Levine is the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's funny. I mean, if they were willing That's to do D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and picks, like they might end up with a competitive package compared to that like is crazy. But like, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. I'm just like thinking about it. This version of Levine would kind of be nice with it on yeah. that, on that, on Although that. Although he would, team. he would still be with a ball dominant guard. Uh, the problem is that, well, that wait, sorry. It does. Do, do we consider Ant a guard? Yeah. He's a shooting guard. Uh, I think he's, I think he's big enough to play, to, to play on the wing. Well, like, I guess he plays, he's playing small forward small right small now, forward, yeah. technically. Cause, uh, D'Angelo and, and yeah. Beverly. He can guard up or down a position, I yeah, think. Yeah, okay. I'm just saying, you, you have I mean, room they there. Play, I mean, they play DeRozan at small forward right now for the same, very same reason. Yeah. Because they're playing Levine at shooting guard. Yeah, but there wouldn't be someone else hogging the ball. Yeah. Um, Patrick Beverly is not demanding it. That's true. Um, I can't, That's kind of my favorite idea. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> I'm going to be like minorly obsessed with it. As I mean, idea. honestly, if, 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 if we lived in a world where like you could sign the max and it was even. Yeah. I think Zach Levine would leave, but that extra year of money, especially with Levine's injury history, I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, that would be my gut. Okay, so you're a uh, Chicago Bulls secondary fan, right? They're 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 your second team. They're the team you follow yeah, as a kid yeah, yeah, and all yeah, that yeah, stuff, yeah. right? Uh, what if what if we offered you uh, Russell Westbrook and two first round picks, and the idea was, hey, you know we're gonna be bad, right? Like, like we can we can give you the salary to match Lakers salary to match right yeah. and two first round picks in the next three years. I just don't think the Bulls are in the position right now. I mean, it may seem delusional to you because it does to me too, but I don't. I think that they think that they're better than they are, and so what that means is they don't want the picks. That's why I'm asking you and not whomever's the GM. Oh the yeah, I mean, I I would just say I wouldn't take that either because I would want to trade Zach Levine for pieces. Because even though I don't think the twenty twenty, the twenty twenty three, and the twenty twenty five are not draft pick. you, I okay. wouldn't want. I wouldn't want draft pick. But, you, but, but what can you turn those into? <laughs> Miles Turner. Uh, I would just rather, you know, honestly, I haven't really looked at the Zach Levine landscape, um, but but like, no, he's gonna be a bull. Yeah, but um, I Falcons honestly, I mean, honestly, DeAndre Ayton is, you know, could I trade him for DeAndre Ayton? That's what I would be looking for. Um, There's. <laughs> That's what the Suns need, another guard. I'm not saying they need I'm saying I'm yeah. saying you're no, saying they, from they the Bulls' it. perspective, no, right? Yeah, yeah, the Suns wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not saying they would do it. I'm just trying to think of players. Because what I want for the Bulls, if I'm the Bulls, right, is I – and I'm sort of delusional in this way too. I, I'm just like – I honestly, if I'm any of these teams in the playoffs this year, I'm like, these fucking teams made it? We can right? make it. I know it's true. It's yeah. True. So so I'm just like it's true. And so I'm just the, the Sacramento Kings are looking at this playoff yeah. bracket and thinking they can make it next year. Yeah, play. yeah. So it's like it's like I I think it's probably fool's gold gold. 
but it has a little bit, it's like a sliver of gold that I'm like a Bulls person. I'm like, DeMar DeRozan for those two months. Holy shit. Yeah. You know? And it's like, all we need, we've got plenty of scoring. We don't need Zach Levine. All we need is def- defense. You know, we just need, for them, Caruso and Ball being healthy and then having someone on the back end that can give you 15 to 20 minutes as a center raises the ceiling of that team tremendously. And if you could trade uh, if you could trade Levine for either the piece that replaces Lamelo uh, Lonzo Ball because he's just hurt all the time, or the piece that you can put next to Vucevic, who is pure defense, right? I just think that that's going to make that team way better than it would be, in my opinion, with DeRozan and Levine sharing the the rock because they have all these other guys, Colby White, that that rookie kid, Caruso can score ball. All these guys can score. Bulls' problem is not points <laughs> yeah uh they just need some like they need two defensive guys well, they, they also played a pace that's going to generate yeah, score. yeah like, like they, they're going to be enough they're going to they're going to make another point so it's like i wouldn't worry that much if i was a bulls gm trading scoring i guess is the best way but i would want real defensive players who can play defense now in the league back hmm. and so that's what i would be looking for either size or just wing defenders that I, that are that are going to make demar Rosen defensive weaknesses not look as bad. Yeah. Right? So, um, so yeah, that, I wouldn't take that deal. I think, though, if I'm trading, if what teams would trade for Westbrook, right, if we if we play this scenario? I really don't think there are any. To yeah, be, to yeah. be honest, it, it, like, it, it is only teams that are trying to get rid of terrible salary. Yeah. It's, and, and, and the fact is, like, Westbrook on an expiring deal is is just better to have than any of that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, 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 sorry, earlier in the year, you were proposing the, the Rockets fan thing, which was John Wall. Uh, and give us a pick, and and I was just like, uh, how many picks are we getting? You know, like because ultimately Westbrook's gonna be a problem that is solved in three hundred and sixty nine no, days. Yeah, you know, for sure. regardless, like there there is zero reason for the Lakers to give up. Well, that's the them. same thing. Reason the Rockets would want to pick too is because they it's gonna well, the wall thing is gonna be right. Solved. There, there, so it's there, like there's no there's no like yeah, there, there, you there, could trade them for each other, but you can't really get anything. There out. is no team that gets extra value out of Westbrook unless it's because they want to make roster space right now and they can afford to waive him. And I think the rumor that even got close that some people in the Lakers organization wanted to do, but it didn't happen, was not a straight-up trade. It was like this colossal salary trade, which was Westbrook and Wall, plus I think Christian Wood, I think was in that, plus THT. And then, because I think their salaries match up, and then the Rockets were asking for a pick, and there were some Lakers people that wanted to do that, but it, but Polinka at the end goes. I yeah, no, it, it wasn't. It, there wasn't enough there. I mean, I I think the thing is like, you know, Wood's a nice player. I, I think Rockets fans are every fan base is like this, which is just like we hate this guy kind of, but we're get, we're we're getting everything yeah, for him right. if we trade him, right? Yeah. And I think I think Wood is a very Wood would be a great third big with AD and LeBron. He would totally. actually play really well with them. But it's like, is he worth that asset? It, nothing about the trade package on either side sparks enough joy yeah. for either side to want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is not to say it wouldn't ultimately be good for both teams, right? If they were able to do that with with like a draft asset neutral trade, which I don't think would happen. I think either team would want something. Yeah. Um, if they were able to make that, then I would say, okay, you could probably get there. But both teams feel like they need to feel like they're winning it with additional assets. Yeah, I don't know. I I just don't know. I just don't know enough about THT to like. I just don't know his value. He's young. I, the, the the Lakers thought it was more than it turned out to be right now. 
because the Raptors were high on him. And so last season, the trade deadline deal that fell through was Kyle Lowry to Lakers. Yeah. And it fell through on the sticking point of Lakers didn't also want to give up Kyle Lowry. Uh, excuse me, didn't want to give up uh, THT. And ultimately, that was because they had already decided we're not going to pay Alex Caruso. We're going to keep THT yeah. and try to get like similar value out of him. Um, projecting more of a ceiling as a defender than he's reached so far. Projecting more of a ceiling as an offensive facilitator than he has so far. And, and honestly, projecting more chemistry with LeBron than he's shown so far. Yeah. Because the, the big thing that we lost was was Caruso and LeBron just always played great on the floor together, uh, defensively and offensively. They they were just both, you know, coach's son and coach brain player um, were very simpatico on stuff. And that, yeah. they, they were, they were this this year the big lament Lakers fans have is is losing, is, uh, is, is losing out on Caruso because he would have stayed and not for much more money than it cost him. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, they made a strategic error in where they valued THT. Now, no team knows how to value him. Because yeah, he, he is I just still think a baby. Really, he's, still, he's still a kid. Yeah, I, I think the thing about... I, I think this is the reason the, the Rockets asked for a pick. It's Christian Wood produces. He produces a lot of points. He's like a 20-10 and 10 guy. You know, almost. You know? It's just that he is... You have to play him with a defensive player next to him. Like, you cannot... So, he's kind of a perfect player with an AD... You know, like that that concept is pretty perfect. He's also a perfect player if you have a guard who likes to run pick and roll, because the dude is. So, I mean, I, I have my qualms with him. It's it's more it's mostly body. You can push him around, but by the basket, his touch, just the basket, and his scoring ability and hitting threes, he could offensively. He is a nuts player. Yeah, like he really is. And on a good team, he would be a very valuable player. It's just that the Rockets are a shit team. Yeah, and so. Any value that he has, he's the best player on a horrible team. He's five years older than Horton Tucker as yeah, well. Yeah, and so that's why no one knows where to value Taylor Horton Tucker. Yeah. He's he's twenty one years old. He's barely yeah. twenty one yeah, years sure. old. So uh, I mean, again, I, I I would actually very be very happy with Christian Wood, uh, you know, especially for what he's making on this Lakers roster. But when it comes to the Lakers, it all comes to. What are we going to do for the next interim year with Westbrook? Yeah. How like can the vibe stay good enough? That people want to stay. When that Westbrook contract comes off the books, it's a lot of fucking room to play with. Yeah, it really, it really, really is. Uh, there's one, uh, I want to close out with one other trade. It's a very minor, very minor trade, but I think it's got like a big intention. So when I saw this trade come through the board, all I saw was, um, I'm going to forget the player's name because it's not consequential, uh, from Denver for the 30th pick of the Thunder. Yeah. And I was just like, are the Thunder it was, it was, believe it or not, it was Jermichael Green, who is now, believe it or not, a 10-year NBA veteran. And Jermichael Green, I mean, I watched the Nuggets a lot. He played spot minutes at center yeah. and rotation. They didn't like him enough. They got Boogie Cousins, so that just tells you how much Denver... He's never it. hung in enough. Like he, he looked like he was carving out a role in Memphis, and then yeah. it just never stayed consistent. So so I was just like, are, you know, are, are Oklahoma City trying to get better? Of course not. Uh, because the rest of the trade, which they didn't show on the ticker, was that Oklahoma City is going to get a protected pick, <laughs> a first-round protected pick from Denver somehow, and Denver's going to get back two second-round picks. So this is a salary dump by Denver. Uh, this is a classic uh, <laughs> Oklahoma City getting a high-value pick mm -hmm. and literally giving up the 30th pick in the first round and two second round picks. Yeah, it's easy to do when you have no intention of winning games yeah. for the foreseeable well, and, future. And you have fourth billion picks, so these low picks, like, you don't care about that. Nope. 
so I guess this is more about I mean Oklahoma City staying the same. You know they're probably going to get Jabari Smith now because it, the rumors are like you said Orlando did the thing Orlando wants to do and it sounds like they're going to pick Chet now because they can't avoid the tall white guy. Yep, they just, love it. They love the you know, the tall athletic guy. Um, but like. Is Denver so Denver saved twenty million dollars on the cap here? This is good. Nice, I mean, I, nice bit of business. Yeah, nice bit of business. But they, you know, it's like, I guess my question is, I don't know what the protection on this pick is. If it's any higher than twenty, <laughs> let's just say that. I just don't trust. You know, their GM left to Minnesota because they wouldn't pay him. Uh, this is the second time that's happened with a the GM. They they let Masai go to Toronto. Classically, a long time ago. Do we trust Denver to, to spend the money when they have to to actually get Jokic a championship? That is that's my general question. Do we think that this is going to be a situation where we're looking back and we go, man, if they just would have... I mean, we kind of saw that with Milwaukee this year. They let P.J. Tucker go. Uh, they could have paid him and they just didn't do it. Is this going to be what we feel with the Denver Nuggets year after year? The bit of myth-making that is behind these personalities says, boy, you sure wish they hadn't given up Masai Ujiri, right? Yeah. The famous, well, you know, smartest guy in the room, one of the best GMs in the league. I don't even know who the GM of uh, the Nuggets is right now. But the true answer is, like, we just don't know who's available, man. I mean, I, I, I don't know what kind of alchemy needs to go into figuring out what's needed to do with that space. Until I know how healthy Michael Porter Jr. is, until I know how healthy, um, why am I blanking on his name? Comes Jamal Murray comes back. I was right? blanking on his name. Yeah, Jamal too. Murray comes back. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. I know the Cronkies, the owners. Uh, I believe they're the owners of um, multiple franchises. Yeah, they own a football team, right? Yeah, uh, they own the. They don't own the Broncos. It's another. They're all related to the Waltons. All the people in Denver. Uh, I think they own a soccer. They're cheap. Let's just say that. Let's just say that. They're in a court case right now because the Nuggets, they want more money out of the Nuggets local TV deal. That's why no Nuggets fans can actually watch the Nuggets, even though they have the two-time MVP. I guess my question is... They deserved two-time MVP. Uh, I guess my question here is... I guess my worry, not my question, is like... I worry that like it all goes... I don't think it will because the, the injury Murray has is just going to take a while to heal. But let's just say it all goes great. Great, but not championship, right? Let's just say we, we have this run. They have a run. They have a deep run, either to the Western Conference Finals or to the Finals. And we're feeling great about the Nuggets. And we're like, man, he came back. Both of these guys came back. They're good. We feel good about the team. You know, Bones is doing Bones <laughs> stuff, you know. We're, we're killing it right now. And then after the season, let's say they lose in the Western Conference Finals, seven game series, or they lose in the you know, championship six game. I'm just I'm projecting out here. And then they just sell off some player. Like I, I just feel like this is this feels like what I, I, I don't I don't wish this for the Nuggets fans, but I kind of feel like this ownership group just doesn't want to spend money. Well, you uh, we've talked about the phenomenon in the past of the team that's just happy to be there. Yeah. Meaning like if we can trade, you know, whatever chance we have at a title for 10 guaranteed years in the playoffs, yeah. we'd do it, right? And there are more franchises than not who would take that deal, right? Yeah. Charlotte would would jump on that in a heartbeat. Uh, Utah did it for decades. Uh, a lot of teams want to get to that place. And you've got Jokic. Jokic seems to be like Jokic and a bunch of guys can do that, right? Yeah. The question becomes how dissatisfied does Jokic get? 
And from everything you can tell, man, I mean, I mean, again, talk about NBA myth-making. The question of, like, would Jokic even be in the league if not for the right combination of coaches and player development people who, like, saw the no, potential and, and, and turned him into the MVP that he is, right? Yeah. Maybe that's engendering a lot of goodwill. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Right now, it really is hard to imagine Jokic demanding his way out of Denver in the circumstances you just described. If they're making the West Finals again and making a Finals yeah. and losing, it doesn't seem like Jokic is going to be pissed because I don't know who that second player is that they could possibly lose at this point. Maybe Murray, I guess, would be the guy where if they fired him, essentially. Yeah, yeah. All I was going to say is I I think, yeah, I don't. it would be one of the two to me, but I... But my point is, I don't. I don't think Jokic is going to go. That's not what I'm saying. I think that we're going to look back. I'm, I'm fearful that we're going to look back. He'll be in. He'll be one of those guys who's in Denver too long, and we'll be like, please. Well, it'll be a Kevin Garnett situation. Yeah, but 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 if but if Jokic doesn't demand out, if Garnett never demands out, and the Wolves can just be in the playoffs for the next ten years, sometimes sometimes you become Damian Lillard, and you're just no a no. no I get that. I don't. I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't want that to happen. But I feel like we're. Tim Donnelly was their old GM uh, right before this moved to Minnesota, but I, I don't I don't want it to happen. I, I think that you're right. They're, you're totally right. All your theories are right. The other thing I would say is like these guys drafted Jokic. You know, either Masai or Tim Donnelly drafted Jokic. You know, um, and develop and all that development. So I, I don't I don't even doubt the infrastructure of Denver. I'm just sort of like we're lo- you know when the Memphis owner comes out and goes, I will spend any amount of money. Like he, he's one of the richest men in the world. Yeah, and he just said, "I don't care. We will break the bank." You know, Utah is is, is a similar situation where the guy has sort of he's hinted like, "Look, I know we're a small market team. We're going to go for it." You know, if we if we get close enough, I, we will go for it. So I think it's not a, a question of the the old world where it might have been the LA team spending a lot of money and Golden State spending a lot of money. There's some of these other sort of mid tier cities that just happen to have. A filthy rich billionaire owner. You yeah. Know? So I, I think I, I worry about Denver, and you know, I think I think that you know we got we've got these teams kind of coming back. I think the good thing for Denver is that Phoenix seems to be a fucking mess too. So yeah, right. Uh, so it's like you know it, it may just be that it maybe the Memphis and Golden State show and the Clippers if if those two guys can be healthy show, but like. I, I, yeah. So I just wanted to bring it up, just put a marker in it. I bring it back to Jokic though because. If you can keep Jokic happy, your floor is so high with a bunch of guys that careers are long, and you're just hoping that maybe you catch one of those Nikola Jokic plus aging Sean Marion, Jason Kidd, Jason Terry, and then you have the 2011 Mavericks. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, I grew up with it with Hakeem. It's like the Rockets organization fucked up in every way you can possibly imagine. Almost traded Hakeem to the Lakers. He almost it almost happened. Uh, you almost had Hakeem and, and Magic for the end of... That Magic would have made run. him one of the top four centers of all time in the far franchise. <laughs> How does that make you feel? About that? I mean... I'm, no. He'd be great. Yeah. I'm just mean, saying it's the Lakers. I mean, if you know, when him and Shaq played in series, uh, one swept the other one. That's all I know. Okay. He never played Kareem. <laughs> well, no. He's not, I, of course, he's not as good as Kareem. Yeah, or okay. Wilt or... Yeah. I mean, you know, and I mean... Okay. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding around, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I I have all these guys ranked higher than the but, king. But what I'm saying is, like, if, if you keep Jokic happy, 
if Jokic is somebody no, who's you willing can to stick it out with, the, with them. Yeah. Late or, you know. And, uh, and he really is so good that it doesn't take a lot of talent to keep, no, their, to keep it, them in the playoffs. It, 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 which you can't say about, like, where Lillard is at in his career. Like, the cautionary tale that oh, we're all yeah, thinking yeah. about that you and I are obsessed with is Damian Lillard. Yeah, I just don't think Lillard's in the ring. I mean, Jokic, I know. Lillard's I, on the MVP. Yeah, and yeah, and then I know I, I push back on the Jokic MVP, but Jokic is gonna be he's gonna be in that range. Let's say, say he doesn't sort of ever get a championship, right? He'll still be in that thirty to still. Oh, he'll be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but he'll be in a he'll be in a higher. I mean, Lillard's gonna top out in the in the seventies or eighties, right? And that's no shame if you're one of the seventy best players in NBA history. Great, mm-hmm. but it's just that this is a different level. No, nothing against Damian Lillard, great player. Uh, but this is more. I, that's why I did the Garnett comp because yeah. that's that's sort of where I see Jokic sort of historically in sort of that like teens to you know b- best case scenario teens worst case scenario fortieth you know somewhere in, somewhere in that thing if he I mean, it seems like he's going to stay healthy but I just want to put a pin in it because I'm kind of curious because I think the West will be really interesting I think the East will be interesting next year. And it'll be sort of an arms race, you know. Turns out we're just interested in basketball. So it turns out we like basketball. Have you guys followed this NBA thing? The NBA. I'm telling you, I think it's better than the big three. I think it's the best <laughs> American basketball league right now. I don't know. And one is pretty good. You seen those dunks? We got two, <laughs> two games left in the finals. Uh, when next week convene, we will have a new NBA champion. We will. We probably, I think our, our friend Ben here is, is going to be out next week. So we were probably... Be past the NBA draft too, so we can talk about that stuff. Yeah, maybe pre- preview f- free agency. So we'll have a lot to talk about. It's a year-round league, baby. We'll be in the thick of it next time. So. In it, the thick in of it. it. In the thick of it. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>